Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. Well, hello there, listeners of the Calvary Cast. Welcome back to another episode. This is awkward silence. I'm <laughs> yeah, looking at the go. gentleman across the room from me, and they're not giving me any response. Well, we'll give you a response. Well, listen, hey, this is this is my first podcast, so you got. I, I feel like a deer in the headlights here. And you should get closer to your microphone. Oh, I feel like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> so anyway, if you couldn't tell, we have a guest in the studio today. <clears throat> Somebody near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it's okay. my, my father-in-law, Dave Georgia, who's a pastor in St. Louis area. They're out visiting. I said, hey, why don't you just come uh, make some funny, awkward statements on our podcast with us? And so he is obliged. <laughs> Okay, my my privilege here. <laughs> it's his privilege. You still got to get a little closer to your microphone there. Okay, there. get there, this close. There you go. Almost like I'm kissing my mic, That's right? exactly It is. Right. I, I like to feel it against uh, the uh, whiskers of my oh, beard. Oh, man. I don't know if I want to go there either. That's what I... That's, okay. That's, uh, That's I right. That. And for those who don't know, I'm Graham, <laughs> associate pastor of Calvary Bible Church. Across from me is Jess. So anyway... What are we talking about today? We're talking we about talk- the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, from Galatians 5. And um, a little bit of, uh, I guess the reason we're going to talk about that is because in our Sunday morning sermons, we're going through Colossians 3 and emphasizing the idea of sanctification and becoming the uh, the people that God has called and uh, newly created us to be in Christ. And uh, part of that is um, the fruit that we here have here in Galatians chapter five. Some of these things are mentioned in Colossians three, some of them not. But these are these are kind of parallel passages that help us understand who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to live. And so we'll talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, I think like this passage really in the Christian life is is kind of a. A, a guide, right? This is things that like we should always be referring back to. We want these things produced in us, so it's good to meditate on them, flesh them out, uh, be searching our own lives to see if they're produced in them. Good. So I'll read it. I'm okay. going to read these pa- uh, verses, verses 16 to 26. Then, Graham, why don't you give the overall context of what's okay. happening here, Okay. and then we'll go into some of the details okay. of the discussion. So. So Galatians 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the main issue in the book of Galatians was that 
there are people that were teaching in the Galatian church, you have Christ, and in addition to Christ, you need to add law, specifically the work of circumcision, because that was the, the mark that marked out the nation of Israel, as that was the covenant sign God had given to, to Abraham. And so Paul, in chapter 5, makes this beginning statement before he gets to the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, when he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submo- submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he's saying, uh, you, you have freedom in Christ. Now you're adding something to your salvation with this act of circumcision, and you're no longer free. You're now in a yoke of slavery and bondage to this. And ultimately, he gets down to verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. So the point being is, is salvation is a total work of God's saving grace, and the moment that you add something to that, it is no longer of God's grace. You are now dependent wholly upon the law to save you, and that is a completely futile effort. So that's what he's writing to uh, these people who are who are dealing with this. And issue. that should have been a dead issue because the Jerusalem Council, I don't know, I don't remember how many years earlier than this, had already settled these right. things. And I don't know if they were aware of that. I mean, obviously, I think Paul would have said something about that. Yeah. From back, it's Acts 15 is where you find that. Well, I think there's a temptation, like, we see in the church, like, false teaching creeps in all the time. And by nature, we are kind of law keepers in a way, right? We want, we, 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 we have a hard time sometimes relying fully upon the grace of God to save us when we want to add things to it. And really, that, I think that's one of the biggest questions is, like, what what would emerge then is if we're not following the law in that sense, okay? Right. If we're not following the law, then how do we live? Yeah. How do we know what's right and wrong and what we should do in that? Now, I realize that gets into questions of the use of the law and different things. Right. We understand that. But um, what Paul says here is really interesting. He says the works of the flesh are evident. Yeah. It isn't like you really need somebody to explain what that is right (laughs) i mean it's evident before you he lists them out right and then he says the fruit of the spirit by walking by the spirit the spirit's going to lead you in this direction of what he produces well and i think the other thing that i would add just to this and setting the context a little bit more because if you go on and read before you get to to verse 16 in chapter 5 uh i think that this issue of division in the church was it was an issue of division, right? There's contention and fighting over it. And I think his point being, like he says in in uh, verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. His point being, you who are, who are teaching this, you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit. You're producing the evident fruit of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to flesh out. What does it look like to produce the fruit of the Spirit? Because I would assume these Galatians, as all Christians would say, yeah, we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we, we want that to be evident in our lives. But he's saying it wasn't, wasn't the case. Right. So uh, jumping in, what, what we want to do in, in just a minute is we want to talk about um, each of the, the fruits that he lists here and um, kind of def- just talk about each one for just a minute or two. But um, I will draw everybody's attention, if you've been in our Sunday morning services, to verse 17. And actually starting in verse 16, it says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, out of Colossians 3, in that connection we made there, we talked about really the issue with our uh, when we're dealing with our sin, when we're just determined to deal with our sin, we're going to put it to death, put it away. 
Uh, we talked about the fact we're, we're dealing largely with desires, okay? And I'll draw out here very clearly that Paul says your flesh has certain desires, and you still are dealing with those even though you have the new inner man that has the right desires and the Spirit of God. In this te- context, he's talking about the Spirit of God who that is within you, and these two are opposed to each other. And that's really where the battle, if we mm-hmm. want to say the battle with the flesh is. It's with those competing desires within a person. And, um, and then we're, what we're learning to do is to walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit's and the Spirit's desires and how he's going to lead us in the right direction and saying no to those other desires. I mean, I, I was here yesterday for your sermon, Jess, and I thought it was an excellent word. I, it it reminded me of the fact that uh, the Christian life isn't just a hard life or a difficult life. In fact, it's actually a, an impossible life hmm. to live apart from the Spirit in me that I myself cannot live the Christian life. Jesus said in John 15 that without me, you can do nothing. Yeah, right. And then he used the word um, abide in me and you'll be able to produce fruit, mm-hmm. whereas Paul's using the word walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I so you got two metaphors that are basically saying the same thing, whether it's abide or walk. Right, yeah, good. And the other thing too, just thinking about that that feeling of, of opposition, that should be natural for the person that's in the spirit, right? Yep. The the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, b- and the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So I think the word of of encouragement to our people is if you feel that battle, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's when you don't feel it that you should be scared. Right, mm-hmm. and knowing, too, that the spirit is in you, the power is coming from the spirit, right. and um, he's unlimited in power. Yes. So it's not like your flesh can win, right. so to speak. I mean, we can give in and sin. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But ultimately, we the, the spirit's going to win right. out yes. in the end. And it, it's a, essentially, some of this is walking by faith that the spirit is in you, even if you're not feeling right. it in that moment, and to keep in step with what you know you're to do. Well, I think that that is another important aspect of this because I think so often Christians don't think that the spirits, the fruit he produces, he will actually produce, right? We live with such that tension and we feel the weight of the flesh so often, we don't actually think that that fruit can actually change, that there can be change in our lives, that we can actually walk in these ways and that our lives can be can be dominated by fruits of the spirit, not fruits of the flesh. And when And when that's happening, though, when we are walking in the spirit, there's so much joy and peace and blessing, and that's that's really what uh, it is the desire for, the Lord's desire for us. But my flesh doesn't produce that. I think that's right. the hard thing for me to understand is that it isn't the spirit enabling my flesh, in a sense, the, my old nature to do that. Right. He enables me to do that from his strength from within, which enables my mind and in, in my body and in, in terms of my flesh in that way, my body, you know, Paul uses the word flesh in different, different ways. My body responds to the spirit enabling it yeah. to produce these. And I would say this fruit, the, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians is singular, by the way, it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
anyway. Yeah. It's one fruit with what nine Multiple, different aspects yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. Manifestations. That's why I always when I talk about it, I always pause because I you want I when we're gonna name them individually, yeah. you you kind of say fruits, but mm-hmm. understand we mean that Paul says this is the fruit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. That's why it's always tricky on how to talk about right. it. Right. I understand yeah. that. We all fall into that <laughs> trap. Right. But um, in one more thing I'll mention before we start talking about those. When in the Old Testament, um, God prophesied about the new covenant life and what was going to happen after Christ and when the spirit came. And he says in Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what we would call uh, regeneration or the new birth. And then he says, and I'll put my spirit in you. And it's uh, in uh, the translation here, it's a capital S. Of course, we we know it's referring to the Holy Spirit. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you, presumably by the spirit, to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So I think what Paul is explaining here is the fulfillment of that in the believer's life. And and you can even go further back, like we were just teaching the youth group last night in Deuteronomy. Right where Israel could not perfectly keep the could not produce these fruits in obedience to God's law, and so Moses says, "Circumcise your hearts, right? Be no longer stubborn, you know." And that's that work that happens in Ezekiel thirty-six that we have now through the Spirit, where we can we have circumcised hearts, we have new hearts, where we can obey and produce these fruits. Right, good. That's mm-hmm. exciting. So it's always been by the heart. It's always. I been mean, by even the back heart. in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we should talk about these uh, these aspects. Okay. So um, let's talk about the first three first. Okay. Some a lot uh, some tran- uh, some uh, commentators believe these should be broken up into the sets of three. Some just think it's individual. And honestly, I don't see how it matters too much unless you, Dave, have some insight on. It. I don't. No. It never has seemed like that matters too much. Wait, no. you don't think I have insight on that? <laughs> Why didn't you ask if I had? Oh, I'm sorry, Grant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grant. I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, sorry. I'm the lead pastor here. That's why. And he's a lead pastor. So. Jesus. Pulling right um, here. Yep. Anyway, the first one is love. Speaking of us dogging each other, let's talk about love. <laughs> that is a love thing, though. In right? these first two, too, love, joy, peace, as I was, as I was thinking about these earlier, these three are really hard to quote unquote define. Okay. Right. I mean, actually to have like a one sentence definition of what, what these are biblically speaking, but when we think about love, what, what specifically, that's a word that often is misused, I think in our culture or misunderstood. So, uh, how, what would well, we say about love? I think the, the, the thing that stands out to me is, is comparing these or contrasting them rather with the fruits of the flesh. Right. Right. So you think about sexual immorality, and oftentimes we define sexual Im- sexual immorality as love mm-hmm. in our broader culture yeah, and society, yeah. right? right? Like my illicit relationship with this person who's not my spouse is love. No, right. it's not. It's sexual immorality. Right. Um, and the same thing could be said with, with impurity and sensuality and all of those different things. So that's the first thing. I, it, for me, it helps me understand love when it's contrasted with things that are not actually sure. love. Right. And I think if we, you know, First uh, Corinthians 13 gives right. some really helpful insights into that. And um, and he says, uh, 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And we are commanded to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love our neighbors, ourself. We're told in the Bible that God is love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, of course, Christ tells his disciples to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, I've set the example in this and how you give yourself for one another. John says, if Christ loved us like that, we ought to lay down right. our lives for the brothers. So really the overarching meaning of this word, which is agape, is a self-sacrificing right. service. Yeah. And I find it interesting that in the New Testament, uh, the word agape is used in connection to the religious leaders whom Jesus says they, the Pharisees, and they all love the chief seats. Mm-hmm. And in that phrase, and I forget where it's at, he uses the word agapao. They love. They were they were committed to having the the chief places in the places of high esteem. So there's a there's a, a use of agape that has sort of a, a, a dark sense as it's used in relationship to the religious mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. an interesting side yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can love what is not good. Right. Right. Yeah. And be sacrificially committed to something that's not godly mm-hmm. or or of Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good. Um, okay, good. So there there's love and then there's joy. Uh so the so the spirit produces in us love and joy. And joy, of course, uh, as we think about joy, we're told to rejoice always in the Lord. So w- the key is joy is not contingent on our circumstances. Yeah. So even in the worst of circumstances, the spirit is producing within us this this spiritual joy. It's a, of a spiritual nature, grounded in spiritual realities and truths, grounded in the Lord himself that we rejoice in. You know, and you, again, contrast that with the joy of the world that's fleeting and based on circumstances mm-hmm. and the things I'm experiencing in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I have to produce or I have to pursue more sexuality, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. I have to pursue more of those things to get joy because it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. And it's not lasting joy that the Spirit produces. Right. So and I, the, the verse that comes to my mind is in the Old Testament says, the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. is my strength. So it's not the joy of my circumstances or of the world or all the things that people seek to get joy from. It's my strength ultimately has to be found in the joy of the Lord. You know, and come the day after the election, I may have to say to myself, <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my right, strength. Right. You know, not on who's in office. Yeah. Or, right. you know. Good application. Yeah. Of course, we won't know the day after the election. But that's going to be <laughs> months yeah, in you're the right. future. I forgot but about that. But, 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 I, but the point, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I understand <laughs> the point you're trying to make. Yeah, yeah. Good point, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so joy, good. He's producing joy. And then peace. And... um having a uh, maybe depending on context some different elements but we know uh i think there's an element to this of not just that well well, peace can be inner calm and a trust really in the lord and the providence of your life and you're not your heart is not in turmoil jesus talks about this let not your heart be troubled in john 14 and in that same context says my peace i give to you not as the world gives to you to give to you but I think also in this context, it could also be indicating 
the relational peace that the that the mm. cross brings among the people of God, because he's mentioning some of the flesh. And if like what you were talking about, uh, Graham, is the idea that kind of contrasting these enmity, strife, jealousy, uh, anger, rivalries, dissensions. OK, so those he's really opposite him, of peace. those are the opposite of that relational peace. The people of God are supposed to have that the spirits. And then he says, maintain the uh, the spirit. Oh, how is Unity it, of the spirit, spirit and, and the bond, bond of, of peace, peace, right? Yeah. So maybe he's re- referring a little more there too. Well, that would make sense in the context because you know, yeah, go back to verse fifteen. If you bite and devour one another, right, right, not peaceable at all, right. Yeah, good. We of course wouldn't deny he he creates within us the peace and tranquility of trust right. and that uh, an inner calm. But in, in this context, I think maybe even in his mind, he's thinking more along lines of relationally speaking, you know, and again, like this goes back to the, the wonder of the local church and that as the world looks at the church, they should say, that's really strange how all this eclectic group of people from every, uh, status of life and all these different backgrounds can come together and be at peace with one another. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the world's always trying to attain, commune <laughs> community mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. all these other things and it always fails miserably mm-hmm. but the church prevails why well the mm-hmm. spirit produces a peace where i can get along with jess every day al- mm-hmm. almost almost yeah, almost <laughs> sometimes occasionally your flesh gets in the way i understand right. that yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> good i was Our, just gonna uh, say on yeah. in terms of peace again i was thinking in a practical way of uh, paul and silas as they were in jail um, they were in jail and they were singing hymns and songs uh, as they were, I guess they were in stocks too while were in, they, they were in jail. Mm-hmm. And just they seemed to have a peace, a contentment uh, that caused them to, uh, as they were in that very difficult circumstance. Mm. You know. Right, yep. That's good. Peace when it doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. To have peace. Good. And then patience. Um, this one definition I found of this, a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. So for patience, isn't the other uh, translation for this maybe long-suffering? Yeah, I, I have the New King James, and they use the term long-suffering. Yeah. And there's the, I forget the Greek word for that, but it has that idea of, of suffering a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Greek is slipping here. Macrothumia. There we go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's that idea of long time yeah, suffering right. with somebody that's provoking right. you. Right. Right. Yep. My or a situation maybe, but I, yeah. I again relationally speaking is probably something. My Greek would be better, but uh Dave here was my Greek teacher oh, for my second gosh. semester and I, I You didn't have to say that. <laughs> is that true? Okay. That wasn't called for, Graham. Oh yeah. sorry, that was a low blow. I'm gonna low cut blow. you out of a third more <laughs> <of my laughs> <hair. laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress once again. <laughs> we digress. So, yeah, Patience. anyway, so anyway, good, that long-suffering with people. Any comments, anything on that, guys? Mm-hmm. Um, just the, being able to just suffer a long time. And I'm, I'm trying to think of an illustration here uh, of even uh, Moses and uh, long-suffering under... Uh, under a people under, that under, whined? Yeah, under the people of Israel as they were out in the desert, you know, just not being very obedient or... Uh, I c- that's the only illustration that comes to my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
it's usually in terms of the, the, the macrothumia word is usually used in terms of with people, mm -hmm. not so much circumstances. I remember that in my Greek class that there's another word for patience that has to do with circumstances. This word has to do with long suffering in terms of your relationship with people who are not treating you right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a, a consistent theme. All of these things, right. they are demonstrated yeah. towards people and we're not naturally patient, especially with people that, right. that right. we have a hard time with. Hupomone is probably the there word. There you go. Yeah. That's just, used in James. I'm just, bra I'm just showing off. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> I'm just showing off. Yeah. And if I had had a better Greek teacher, I could maybe be doing the same thing. I am thing. so dependent upon my Lagos at home. <laughs> oh, and now it's so easy just to put your, <laughs> to put the mouse yeah. over it or whatever and it it's tells like, you everything <laughs> you need to know. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, so again, in, in the context of relationship, um, the spirit produces these things. And this is why uh, we have to remember this, even in the context of local church life. We have to be remember that what the spirit is producing, that there is this essence that we have to cooperate with the spirit. Right. OK. Um, in regeneration, it was just boom. It causes you to be born again. But in the in the Christian walk, there is cooperation with the spirit that is required. And when we're when we're mixed with people mm -hmm. uh, and flesh is there in everyone, including us and and that uh, we need to, to keep in mind that the spirit is trying to produce in us this ability to suffer along with people. And I, I think, too, because this is the I think this is where the rubber meets the road and we're not even done with these. But I think we can make an application here. Right. When Paul says walk by the spirit. Right. He's saying produce these things. And there is effort that we exert as the spirit works within us to do right. these things. The, pr the spirit produces. Right. But you're commanded to do to them. To do them. And all of these you're commanded right. at different places to be this way. And and the things that hinder that will be pursuing things of the flesh. Right. As I pursue sexual immorality, as I pursue immorality, as I pursue anger and enmity and all those things. I'm not producing those fruits in me. So if you want to know how to walk by the Spirit, you submit yourself to the Spirit of God, and you do not pursue, you do not go after things of the flesh, because we we submit our wills to those things as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think, like, the importance of community in this, once you get to chapter 6, right, he's talking about the importance of going after one another who are caught in other transgressions. All right, good. It's a step-by-step -step uh, submission to the Spirit's control. Yeah. Good. And then kindness, um, the idea being to provide something beneficial for someone. Uh, so the applications of that could be many, many things. Um, but kindness is something the Spirit's producing. And obviously this is relational. Uh, you can't be kind unrelationally. So it's always to, to be doing things of kindness or looking for opportunities to provide benefit to others in some way, shape, or form is to be kind. I see kindness as almost as an application of of love. Right. Uh, the kindness is the is the shoes that uh, on the feet that enable you to do something that is gentle and positive for another person. It flows out of love. And then goodness, the act of generous giving with the implication of its relationship to goodness. Okay, so another almost related in kindness and that, but there's little bit differences in that. Would both of these things be seen in I am doing for others not with any expectation of return, right? It's totally gracious. I'm giving of myself, my resources, my time for the benefit of others. I think so. 
I, and actually, with love, that's really what it is. Right. Uh, because as Dave was saying, that's love is... So, some have said that this whole passage here, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And in other words, and then Paul is saying, by that I mean this. Here's the yeah. outworkings of love. And I can easily see that. Yeah. I don't know if that's uh, 100% true or not, but it's, it cer- certainly has truth in it. Because each of these things are expressions of love. Right. Um, but, uh, but the idea of, yeah, kindness and goodness... And things that we do for others, if we do them, it seems to me, if we do those things out of love, it's not an expectation of what I'm going to receive from the person. That would kind of be the nature of love. It's more of me doing this selflessly, almost sacrificially, and not really thinking of myself at all, but the other person. I'm going to uh, work with them and deal with them in this loving way. Yeah regardless of how it's reciprocated. Yeah. No, I think that that sounds totally right. Um, good. And then faithfulness. This is one uh, I always uh, like to talk about this. Uh, I think the idea here is faithfulness, not just faith, but uh, faithfulness. The I- idea of being dependable or trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and that you know, it goes along with what, and it wouldn't it be connected to what Jesus said, let your yes be yes yeah. and your no be no from the Sermon on the Mount. You're a faithful person. You're dependable. We talked about Paul Dibble yesterday in, in mm-hmm. the service who went to be with the Lord last week, and he was a faithful man uh, to his ministries and to people and to worship services. And Yeah, I think it, it is good to, to look on your life and say, like, are, am I a faithful trustworthy person am i a faithful friend am i a faithful spouse uh an employee all of these things and and the spirit produces even that in us yeah faithfulness i think of that song by uh steve green a long time ago find us faithful Mm. and i remember attending a funeral where that was played at a man's funeral i don't know if you remember the song or not you have to go back Mm. and look at the song i can't not quite that old but i actually am I yeah. Anyway, that. it's it's a it's a really good song, you know, to think in the end I, I want to be found to be the kind of person who is who is faithful mm-hmm. in every area of life. And um Well, even then that that strikes on this because we were talking about faithfulness in relationship to people, but there's also the faithfulness we need in relationship to the Lord. Right. Yeah. So is that could that be an aspect of what he's saying? Yeah, I'm saying yeah, I'm looking at both and, and, yeah. and, and yeah, in That's that important. comment I'm good. seeing both. First yep. Peter, First Peter one talks about that, where by who you who through God's power are being guarded through faith, right? Like He mm-hmm. keeps us believing <laughs> right. to the end as well, so we will be found faithful. Huh. The Spirit produces that in it as well. Yeah, good. And then gentleness or meekness. Um, this definition I found gentleness of attitude and behavior in contrast with harshness in one's dealing with others. And largely, I, I could see how, uh, well, I've also heard it is described as uh, strength and reserve, because um, it's not in any way implying weakness. It's used of Jesus, and so we can't, it's not certainly not weakness. But dealing with people in a, in a gentleness of attitude and behavior, and probably we would surmise that the uh, Judaizers were less not than gentle, gentle <laughs> yeah. with people in their dealings, and usually law um legalistic people tend to oftentimes be less gentle maybe that's not always the case but because they're the law is they f- i don't know why yeah, 100% no. why but it's 
I think it. I think it's true. I know the word meekness was used of of uh, race horses mm-hmm. at one time. Have you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Where a racehorse has to be under the submission of the of the rider mm. to what, whatever his desires are as he moves the reins or as he kicks him in the side that the horse knows what the rider wants. Mm. So he's submitted to the rider in the same way we have a meekness means we have a submission to the Lord and we have a consideration um, to put others' needs ahead of, uh, of my own needs. Mm. And so meekness, a meek person is submitted to the Lord and he puts the needs of others before himself. Mm. And he's teachable, too. And then the last one here, uh, self-control. To exercise complete control over one's desires and actions. Um, And that's so contrasted with the fruits of the flesh, right? You know, what is not being under uh, self-control? Drunkenness, right? Right. Sexual immorality, orgies. Wrath. Wrath, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That's not uh, fruits of the Spirit. Right. And that connects us with... Colossians 3, where Paul doesn't mention self-control, but the idea of putting to death your sin and putting away sin and putting on those righteous attributes all imply self-control as one of the governing uh, attributes you need to have or put into effect that the Spirit is producing in you, that ability. We can't say that we can't control ourselves because we can if we walk by the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I can do I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet Jesus says, "Without me, you can do nothing." Right. So, and, and as I look at society today, there's there's really zero self control in our society a- anymore. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, a statement here recently that um, people are not committing suicide so much out of pain, the pain that they have in their life. They're committing suicide more and more today out of so much and too much pleasure. Mm-hmm. That they see, they have so much pleasure, they come to the place where they, and they they just go after anything they want to go after, no controls, that they begin to see the pointlessness of life. Wow. Ecclesiastes. Yeah. 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 It's just sort of a nihilistic society. Yeah. And I think in the church, too, a lack of self-control manifests itself in a lot of ways, right? We see that in the broader culture, but like inability to say no to certain foods, right? Uh, that's a lack of self-control or or even like uh, sometimes I think we'll recognize issues of sin in our life and we we they might be like second well I use this in scare quotes secondary sins like gossip or things like that and we don't view that we see that as a problem but it's not really that big a problem and we don't have we don't see a need to exercise self-control in that area um, along with all the other areas like, of drunkenness, which is an issue in the church, pornography, which is an issue in the church, all of those things, we're to be, the Spirit produces self-control so we can say no to those fleshly desires. Right. Good. Uh, just one question to you. So he ends this list of stuff. Against such things there is no law. Why does he end with that statement? Well, I think he's implying that... Um, if you are walking by the Spirit and you do those things, you're not doing anything wrong. Right. Right. The Spirit's not going to lead you to do things wrong. And these things, there's no law that tells you you can't do these. Right. So walk by the Spirit and uh, who is producing these things in you, and uh, you will not fulfill the works of the flesh. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be sinning if you're loving and being patient. And, yeah. you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. exercising self-control. Yeah. And then he like gives a concluding 
thing in verse 24 with the assurance that we have of being belonging to Christ and those who belong to Christ, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so as Christians, we live as people that have died to sin. I don't have to be controlled. I don't have to be enslaved. I don't have to give in to these uh, works of the flesh. I can live and produce these fruits of the Spirit because I've been crucified. Is, isn't Christ. that sort of a, a positional, he's making a position, a statement regarding our position in Christ. We have been crucified with right. Christ. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I can daily yeah. reckon myself to be dead unto sin, yeah. as Paul says in Romans 6. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. Well, any other final concluding thoughts? No. <laughs> I, I would, j- again, just go back to the thing that uh, the Christian life is not merely difficult or hard it's it's impossible to live apart from living it by the spirit yeah yeah well that's good well on that note thanks for listening uh again if you ever have questions or comments about the things we talked about we'd love to hear from you you can email us at the at gmail.com you can also just come up and talk to us text us or phone us because we have such a wide listening audience that or send your latest con- your, your latest gift to 1-800-GEORGIA <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, we thank you for listening, and until next time. <laughs>